0: evening and Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you before we begin and I read the message, uh, text. uh, Let's pray. O Lord Jesus, King of all the earth, as you are proclaimed this evening, I ask of you what you yourself have promised, to minister to the hearts of your people by your spirit through your holy word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, save souls, encourage hearts, grant wisdom and knowledge, all leading to eternal life with you, who are at the Father's right hand, and with the Holy Spirit forever, one God, blessed forever, world without end, amen, and amen. Our sermon text uh, this evening is from Philippians chapter 2, it is in the bulletin, so hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, why are so many people drawn to Christmas? Why are so many people drawn to Christmas? Is it the smells, the festivities, the food? Food's a big one. Is it time with loved ones and family? Those are definitely some reasons. Maybe it's also the tradition that we have. Many people, Christian or non Christian, have long standing family traditions that go back as far as they can remember. And sticking with those traditions are comforting. It's a source of rest from the busyness of life. Maybe it's also the generosity at Christmas time. There are many reasons that people are drawn to Christmas, and most of them are good reasons. But I would like to suggest to you the real reason that people are drawn to Christmas. Or said another way, I want to suggest the ultimate or foundational reason that people are drawn to Christmas. You see, all these good things that draw people to this time of year, like the generosity, family traditions, these things are simply fruit. And like all fruit, they're connected to a root, to a tree or a vine. And so what is the root of this fruit of the holiday season. If you like the fruit of Christmas, my friends, then you will love the root, for without the root there is no fruit. Now, during uh, this season, every year, uh, different media outlets publish very poorly researched articles that seek to debunk Christianity in some sort of way, specifically the Incarnation, God coming into His very own creation, taking upon Himself the very nature of a man, in order to save the world. And one common claim—very ignorant claim, though—is that Christians slowly deified Christian. Uh, excuse me, Christians slowly deified Jesus over time, and really did not believe uh, that He is God until the Council of Nicaea around 325. In this passage, however, we have something remarkable. Paul is using a language, a cadence here, that is not similar to his own. The scholarly consensus is that he is quoting something. Maybe it was a hymn of the early church. Maybe it was an early creedal statement or a poem of sorts that Philippi, the church at Philippi, already knew, which is why he quotes it. And why is that important? Well, Paul is writing to the Philippian church in the early 60s, And if he is quoting this statement, which he is, that means that it would have taken a long time to get there. Therefore, it pre-existed, this letter. So maybe this hymn of sorts, this credo statement, was written in the late 40s or early 50s. And therefore, this text makes clear that the early church from her infancy worshipped Jesus as God. The divinity of our Savior was not a later development. It was always the understanding of the church and the very reason for her existence. For if Jesus is only man and not God, then we have no hope. But if the Son of God, who has eternally been God, as Paul teaches in this passage, took upon humanity in order to save humanity, then our hope is not in vain then the meaning of Christmas is not in vain. And this is indeed what the text asserts. And so very briefly, I want you to notice three things. First, that this creedal statement is stated as an illustration of humility. The Apostle Paul is exhorting the Philippian church to treat others more highly than themselves, as he states, have this mindset with one another, which Christ himself had. See, since the Christian faith is founded... On the reality of the Incarnation, that God humbled himself, entering his own creation in order to save it, a Christian is to humble himself, serving his brothers and his sisters, even putting aside his own personal interests. You see, if we are called to humility, what greater example of humility do we have than the God of all the universe joining to himself a human flesh and dying, as we will see, even on a cross, so that rebels can one day live like royal sons of the king. My friends, that little baby Jesus in a manger free existed. He was in his very nature God, as Paul says. But for the sake of saving sinners, he joined a human flesh, and therefore humbling himself. This is what Paul means by emptied himself, or made himself Nothing, as the translation in your bulletin says. But the grammar is clear. It does not mean that he ceased to be God for a time. That would be an impossible thing for God to do, and it surely isn't what the text says. So what does the text say? In what sense did he make himself nothing? Paul uses three verbs here that follow that statement, that explain. By taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. You see, the mere joining to himself of a human nature is an unfathomable amount of humility and sacrifice for God the Son to do. And this is exactly what we celebrate this Christmas time. This is the root of the fruit. But it doesn't stop there. Notice also Jesus' humiliation. God not only took upon himself a human nature, but the Son, our Lord Jesus, died the death of a criminal on the cross. That little baby, born of Mary, Israel's hope, the Redeemer of the world, was unjustly put to death. And he came into the world in order to be unjustly put to death. He voluntarily gave His life, so that he could satisfy God's wrath on our behalf. Why? Is it because we are so worthy? No. Simply because of his free and marvelous grace, it's all because of his grace, the grace of the and steadfast love of the Lord, that the God man would suffer the punishment we deserved because of our sins, so that we one day be exalted. And this is the root of the fruit of Christmas. This is the reason for the blessings of Christmas. Also notice Jesus' exaltation in our passage this evening. You see, having accomplished his task, having been raised by the power of the Spirit and having ascended into heaven, after showing himself raised from the dead to the disciples and even 500 brothers at one time. God the Father then bestowed upon him all glory and honor. This glory that God the Father gave to Jesus, it says in Isaiah, he will give to no other. And yet he gives it to Jesus. Why? How? Because as Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And he gives him a name, most likely the covenant name for God, Yahweh, for he is the king of Of the world. He is the King we worship this Christmas season. He is the light of the world. He is the root of the fruit of Christmas. You see, He who is in His very substance, God, joined to Himself, a human nature, so that you, through humbling yourself before God, may be exalted when this God man, Jesus Christ, returns. So, what is this root, to be clear? All what is all, you know, all the blessings you receive at Christmas time, all the fun you have, where does that come from? What is it rooted in? It is rooted in the person of Jesus, the Messiah, who has come to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. He came to make all things right this Christmas season. We enjoy the fruit which points us to the ultimate fruit of the abundant life that all those who believe in this Jesus will experience when he returns. So my friends, I don't know the circumstances that brought you here tonight. I'm unsure of the particular circumstances, but I do know why God brought you here, at least one of the reasons. And that is to hear the good news of our King Jesus. For from this point on, all of us are responsible to respond to the truths laid out before us. For on that day when the God-man returns, as our text tells us, every knee will bow on earth and under the earth, either willingly or by force. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord, either joyfully or bitterly. And so humble yourself before God before it's too late. Humble yourself before your king, the one who created you, Jesus Christ, so that one day he may exalt you. Let me ask you this. Why do you find yourself dreaming of of paradise? Why do you find yourself dreaming of, of something better? Of the world being fixed? Why do you find yourself amazed at stories of sacrificial love during, especially during this Christmas season? Why do you find yourself in awe over stories of redemption? Why do you find yourself feeling Like you were made for something greater. Why do you find yourself seeking peace, comfort, true inward satisfaction and love above all else? This is why. Because the Christmas message is true. We dream of paradise because we long for what humanity once had in the garden. We are amazed at stories of sacrificial love because the story of the world is the story of God the Son who sacrificed himself for love. We are in awe of stories of redemption because we know that we need redemption. We feel like we were made for something greater because we know deep down sin and death is not what we were made for. Something needs to be made right. We seek true satisfaction in love because we inwardly long for a relationship with him who is the fount of all satisfaction and love, the triune God. And so ultimately, why should we be drawn to Christmas and believe the true meaning of Christmas? Because the fun time with family, the feasting, the joy, the gifts, which my kids are very, very excited about right now, they're getting ready. All of these things are little glimpses of the ultimate joy and fulfillment that comes to those who believe that that little Jewish baby born 2,000 years ago is, in fact, the king of the world, and he is coming again to make all things right. So we need to ask ourselves, are we on the right side of history? Stop denying what is right in front of you and believe that Jesus is your God and your king. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God over all, we ask you to bless us with a saving knowledge of you for the sake of your name throughout all the earth. We praise you this evening and thank you for doing for us that which only you can do, rescuing us from sin and death. So all praise be to you. Amen and amen.